0: Well, good morning, everybody. Seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. It's the 15th day of February 2023. We are already halfway through February. Uh, it is a rainy day here. Uh, what a weird Weird winter. I mean, we've had a little bit of cold weather, but God, I mean, the eastern half of the country, I, I know you folks up in New England, uh, hardly getting any snow at all. And, you know, if I was still living up there, I'd be like, yes, awesome. But I also know how difficult it is, uh, for the people that make their living, you know, the ski areas and stuff like that. It is, uh, has to be difficult for them. So, uh, but, uh, it, uh, and there doesn't seem to be any snow, uh, in the forecast. Although, um, I guess I'm going up to Connecticut next week uh, for a few days, and it seems as though there's going to be some snow while I'm there. It's not going to be anything big, but uh, lucky, lucky me. Uh, anyway, uh, lots to talk about this morning. Uh, I watched a couple of great games last night. Um, and I, you know, as anybody that listens to this show on a regular basis knows, I am not a huge NBA guy. Um, but i watched the celtics and bucks game last night and i was expecting, you know, i watched it because the celtics and the bucks are the top two teams in the eastern conference. uh and i figured it was going to be a hell of a game until i found out, you know, during the day that uh the celtics were going to be playing nobody. <laughs> they had uh, zero starters in the lineup last night. so we'll we'll talk about that in a second. It turned out to be a great game. uh the nfl coaching carousel has stopped at least temporarily. Um as the uh the final two positions were filled yesterday and it's interesting that the two jobs that were filled were filled by coordinators from the losing team in the Super Bowl. Uh defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon was hired to replace Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona yesterday and uh, on Monday. Je- uh, Shane Steichen was hired to coach the Indianapolis Colts. Um, the guy that got left out again is Eric Bieniemy, and, and I don't, you know, look, uh, Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator in Kansas City, has interviewed, I think I read 16 times in like the last 5 years and he has still yet to get a job. This is a guy who has been the offensive coordinator on two Super Bowl winning teams and he can't get a job. And I, look, I'm not I don't think the race card plays into this at all. I know people will say that it does, you know, because that's the easy thing to do. You know, when we're worried about the number of black coaches in the NFL, and it is certainly, there's no question that it is uh, disproportionate, considering that uh, the majority of the league is African-American players. However, I don't think this is it. I think is not getting the job because he works for Andy Reid. And Andy Reid is thought of as an offensive wizard, a guy who game plans well, uh, a guy that is um, on the cutting edge of, of what to do offensively. Yes, he lets Beany make the calls game days most time. Um, but you know, I think the way for Eric Beany to get a job is to get the hell out of Kansas City. You know what I mean? I think he really needs to get out of there. There has been some talk that the Washington Commanders would like to speak to him about going over there to become their offensive coordinator. They don't have one right now. I think that would be a great move for Biennemi. I know it's tough going from a Super Bowl champion and having all those uh, toys to play with over there, going to the Washington Commanders that are going to have really an unproven quarterback. They've already cut ties with Carson Wentz, Uh, They're going to be going, you know, with a a rookie quarterback next year who who started the last game of the season. But this is a chance, I think, for Eric bien to make his mark and get out of Andy Reid's shadow. I I honestly did think – I really thought he was going to get the job in Arizona. So I was really surprised by this. But I think, you know – and, and, look, this isn't a novel idea. This was brought, this has been brought up in multiple uh, articles. I saw one, I think, uh, in the Associated Press had something in there. And I think they're absolutely right. I think it's the only way that he's going to get a job. Now, as far as uh, Gannon goes, you know, good for him. You know, he's, now he's going to have the difficulty of not even having his starting quarterback for part of the season. You know, that's that's not going to be easy. Um, but good for him. They were 4-13 and last year, so you look at it and you go, well, there's nowhere to go but up. And Steichen, uh, you know, look, the thing with Steichen, and, and it's going to be interesting to see, they're going to need a quarterback. And uh, they're going to draft a quarterback, or, you know, there's a couple of free agent options obviously out there, or trade options out there. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be available. Derek Carr was released by the Raiders yesterday. He's going to be available. Uh, you know, there's we don't know, but uh, the Jets have checked in on Aaron Rodgers about a trade possibility. Who knows if the Colts might be interested in doing something like that? So there's options out there. Um, but Steichen's a guy that has a history of working with quarterbacks. You know, when he was the offensive coordinator. Uh with the, with the Eagles, obviously, he had Jalen Hurts to work with. This is a guy that worked with the Chargers, and he worked with Phillip Rivers. And he helped to bring along Justin Herbert when he came into the league. This is a guy that knows how to develop quarterbacks. So if they're going to draft a rookie, they probably have uh, a really good candidate in-house to do that. If you are a Colts fan, you should be really happy uh, with this. You know, uh, I think honestly, I think that he has the, uh, of the two coordinators from the Eagles, I think he's got the better of the deal, even though Indianapolis has been a veritable soap opera the last few years and uh, the whole hiring of Jeff Saturday last year, uh, you know, by the owner, which was just unbelievable. Uh, Gannon's got his work cut out for him. He's got a prima donna quarterback, uh, you know, so we'll see what happens there, but, uh, a couple of first-timers getting their opportunities, and uh, now we just move on and we get ready for the draft and the combine because the coaching vacancies are finally filled. I mentioned that Derek Carr was released by the Raiders yesterday. By doing that, the Raiders only take a $5.5 million hit on their cap for next season. It's uh, it's called uh, a, a dead salary. It's a dead cap hit. Uh, if they had kept him, they were on the hook for $40 million over the next two years. Now, where can he go? Look, we, we've already talked numerous times. The, the Panthers need a quarterback. The Colts, the Jets, the Buccaneers need a quarterback. The ca- Commanders probably could use a quarterback, although they seem to be uh, committed to letting this young kid get, his, get an opportunity here. Uh, he could still go to the Saints, although he turned down a trade possibility because he did not want to take a salary hit. And, you know, so he could still work something out with the Saints, but I doubt it. The Saints are $60 million over the cap. $60 million. So the only way they're going to get Derek Carr is if Derek Carr is willing to work out some kind of a a restructured contract that uh, gives the Saints some relief. And I don't know how that's going to work. But the Saints are obviously going to be releasing a whole lot of people to get underneath the cap. Um, before we get to last night's game, uh, one other note. New Mexico State fired their head coach yesterday, uh, Greg Heyer. We already know that they canceled the rest of their season because of the hazing allegations that went on, the police report that was filed Uh, They had six conference games left. The Western Athletic Conference says they're going to count the final six games as forfeits. Uh, But the chancellor of uh, New Mexico State fired Hire yesterday. And uh, I said this as soon as it happened. I mean, the entire coaching staff was put on administrative leave. He had no option here. Hire is the guy that is in charge of the program. And whether he had direct knowledge of what was happening or not, when you are running the program, you are ultimately responsible for everything that goes on there. It's kind of look. It's not to the same degree, but it's kind of like what happened with Joe Paterno at Penn State. Now there are there are indications that Joe Paterno knew what was going on and kept his mouth shut. And if that's true, that's really, really a shame. Uh, but it sounds like that was the case there. But regardless, I mean, this isn't the same to the same level. But at the end of the day, the head coach is responsible for everything that happens in his program with his players, with his assistant coaches, everything. Period. So they had no choice here. He was in his first season, guy that came over uh, uh, from a junior college where they won the uh, junior college national title. I think it was uh, Northwest Florida State or something like that. And brought a couple of his players actually along with him to New Mexico. But look, since from the time he got there, they had problems. Uh, Some of his players were involved in a fight with New Mexico students uh, at a football game in October. Uh, one of their players went to an apartment complex of one of the other students involved in the fight and uh, showed him pulling a gun and 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 shooting the guy he's been you know suspended from the team but he hasn't been charged with a crime at least not yet so it's been one thing after another and then the hazing thing comes up it's almost like three strikes and you're out there shows a no control over the program kind of thing. So, uh, you know, uh, and, and by the way, this New Mexico State team is supposed to move to uh, Conference USA next season. You know, and New Mexico State's a team that's been to the NCAA tournament 26 times. They've reached the Sweet 16 five times. Uh, now they're going to have to rebuild this program because there's going to be players that are going to leave. They obviously are going to have to have a new head coach. Uh, The chancellor said they'll evaluate what happens with the assistant coaches um, when they complete their investigation. But even if they don't fire the assistant coaches, a new head coach could come in and clean house and most likely will. He's going to want to bring in his own people. So uh, that's where we're at with that. Uh, As I said, I watched the Celtics game last night. I saw a thing on Twitter yesterday after it was announced that Jason Tatum was not going to play either they already had uh, Marcus smart's been out he's missed like 11 straight games uh, because uh, of an injury uh, Jalen Brown got his face fractured the other day by Jason Tatum with an inadvertent elbow uh, Al Horford's you know been injured all season did play the game before last night's uh, but now had some knee soreness you know so when all this came out, they started calling the Celtics the hospital Celtics. Not the Boston Celtics, the hospital Celtics. And I thought it was kind of funny. The funny part is is that they're beating people when they don't have their full team. It is absolutely amazing the amount of injuries that this Celtics team has had and is still able to compete. Not just compete but have the best record in the Eastern Conference. It's unbelievable. I'm trying to see if I can find the tweet that I saw yesterday. Here it is. The Celtics of all the games that they've played this year. All right, and right now the Celtics have played 58 games. They are 41 and 17, okay? Of those 58 games, there are only 8 of them where they have had their entire their regular starting lineup. 8 of 58 games have they had all five starters. They've been missing uh one starter in 29 of those 58. So half of their games they've been missing at least one starter. In 14 games, they've missed two starters. And in three plus game or six games, they've missed three plus starters. So, 20 games, they've been missing at least 40% of their starting lineup. And yet, here we are, the Celtics with the second best or the, the best record in the Eastern Conference. And I think, is they, is they still the best record overall? Yeah, they are, because Denver is 40 and 18. So with all those injuries, they are still 41 and 17. and if you are the Milwaukee Bucks, the Bucks beat the Celtics last night in overtime 131, 125. It was a fun game to watch. The Celtics had zero. count them zero of their regular starters in this game last night. Jalen Brown out. Al Horford out, Marcus Smart out. Jason Tatum out. The only other starter that they have is Grant, or is Robert Williams, and Robert Williams came off the bench, only played 13 minutes off the bench. So they started Grant Williams, Mike Muscala, who they traded for at the deadline, Blake Griffin, who's 112 years old, Derek White, and Sam Hauser. And that team scored 35 points against the Bucks in the first quarter. Led 35-27 at the end of one. Think about that for a minute. This is a team playing the Milwaukee Bucks. The team that they, they beat in seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals. A team that's got, you know, all-stars and Giannis and Drew Holiday. Uh, uh, Pat Connaughton's really good player. Brooke Lopez. I mean, this is a team that's got some players. Chris Middleton. And a team of Benchwarmers took this team to overtime. Sam Hauser, a guy who played high school basketball in Wisconsin at Stevens Point, not too far away from Milwaukee, hit a three with three seconds left in the game to send the game into overtime. And the Celtics actually had a five-point lead in the overtime. Buck scored the last seven points of the game to win it. Uh, and Giannis, who couldn't Hit a free throw in regulation. Hit some big ones down the stretch. And uh, they end up winning it. Giannis with 36 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists last night. Uh, the, the player of the game, though, Drew Holiday. He was unbelievable. He played 44 minutes, had 40 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. Uh, he was 8 of 12 from 3-point range. He hit a 41-footer at halftime a 41-footer at halftime to give the Bucks a one-point lead going into the intermission. I mean, it was just like, you know, it's one of those desperation shots you see go up, you don't expect it to go in. This thing was nothing but net. But a great game. But if you are the Bucks and you saw how hard you had to work last night to beat a Celtics team that had none of their regular starters in the lineup, you got to be saying, how the hell are we going to beat them when they're healthy? You know, this is why a lot of teams or a lot of people think that the Celtics are maybe the favorites to win the title this year. If they are healthy, this Celtics team is frighteningly good. You know, when you look at their regular starters and then you think about Derek White, a guy who, you know, talk about – You know, the first, I think the first half of the season, he averaged like nine points a game. I think the last 10, 12 games, he's averaging uh, like 21, 22 points a game. He had 27 last night and 12 assists. Running the point. Sam Hauser played 39 minutes last night, right? unbelievable now you know the only downside i'll say to the celtics last night i thought they got a little three happy they took 50 threes in this game last night 17 of 50 now they hit 34% the bucks were much they still the bucks still took 42 of them but they were much more efficient hit 43% i mean i thought the celtics took some threes that were a little bit too quick but you know it's the way it's the way the game is now uh but man what what a gutsy performance by the Celtics last night, and and as I said, I don't watch a lot of NBA games, but I watched this one. I actually had the uh, uh, the Celtics game started, I think, at uh, seven o'clock, and then the Bruins started at eight thirty. So there was a time I had the Celtics on my television and the Bruins on my computer, and I looked at my wife and I said, "Happy Valentine's Day." <laughs> she just laughed. By the way, we had a great Valentine's Day, and uh, not that it, you know, it's kind of like like I said yesterday, it's kind of like just another day for us. Um, but, uh, you know, we had a nice, I cooked her a nice dinner. I made her a cake. How about a, how good am I? I'm baking a cake. Good Lord. Uh, and then, uh, I said, and then I said, uh, you know, and then he, there's some sports on to watch on. Huh? And I and she said, and I said, Hey, it's Valentine's day. Can't have everything. So, but uh, she just laughed, but we, we had a, uh, you know, it was, but it was a fun game to watch. It really was. And, and I think. You know, the question is, Is can the Celtics stay healthy? You know, part of the problem is they got a guy like Al Horford that they're expecting a lot of. And Al Horford's Al Horford's old, and he's broken down. He can still play, but keeping him on the floor is a problem. And Jalen Brown has, you know, had one injury after another. And Jason Tatum was sick last night. The question is, will he play tonight? They have to play again tonight against the Pistons. They were in Milwaukee last night. They came back on a red eye last night. They are uh, hosting the Detroit Pistons tonight. Now, the good news is the Detroit Pistons are 15-43. and 43. So can they play? could they play this game without Jason Tatum tonight? Yes, and there's some indications that they might, which would mean we'd be looking at this again. The, the problem that you look at now is that they expended a lot of energy to give the Bucks a hell of a game last night. My concern tonight is if they don't have some fresh legs on the floor like a Jason Tatum, uh, whether Al Horford can come back. They said he had some knee soreness. He might be able to play. But if they don't have any of these other guys back and they have to ask these guys to do it again tonight, even if it is the Detroit Pistons, that might be a bridge too far. We'll we'll see. But uh, uh, So now the Celtics at 41-17 and 17 have a half a game lead over Milwaukee. Milwaukee is 40-17 and 17 in the Eastern Conference. Uh, of course, the Philadelphia 76ers, who the Celtics beat again the other night, Um are uh, three games back of Boston. You know, the other thing, the other big thing about last night's game, we've got to take a break here in a second, uh, but the other thing is that Milwaukee now has won the season series with the Celtics. So if it does come down to the Celtics and the Bucks for the Eastern Conference Championship, the Bucks will have the home court advantage. But what what an effort by the Boston Celtics last night. Twenty-nine minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's thirty-two minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. Um, so, as I said, I I had the Celtics on the tube and I had the Bruins on my computer, um, and uh, the Bruins got off to a good start last night. They were up one nothing, and uh, the Bruins have not lost a game all season when they have scored first. They were twenty-five zero and one in games where they scored first. Thought last night was going to be the first one. Uh, things were not looking good uh, for the Bruins last night. Uh, their power play has been pathetic. Uh, they continued to struggle on the power play last night, but uh, they got an early goal or uh, midway through the first period from Taylor Hall, his 16th of the season. Uh, Just a couple of minutes later, the Stars tied it up. Um, And then they got a goal from uh, Dallas did from uh, Jason Robertson with about four minutes to go in the – excuse me, four minutes into the second period. And the Bruins had all kinds of shots on goal last night. I mean, they peppered Ottinger last night. With the exception of the overtime which was make it amazing, the Bruins ended up winning the game in overtime 3 to 2 despite getting outshot in the overtime by the way 6 to 1. But at one point in the third period, the Bruins had outshot Dallas something like 36 to 21 and yet they were losing 2 to 1. Unbelievable. But Pavel Zaka picked up his 12th of the season on an assist from uh, Brendan Carlo and David Pasternak midway through the third period. They tied it up. They hung on. They had some great chances late uh, in that third period. Couldn't get it. And then the overtime starts. And something you hate to see in the overtime. You're already skating three-on-three in the overtime, right? So then Brad Marchand picks up a penalty 30 seconds into the overtime. And, you know, you don't see a lot of penalties called in overtime in three-on-three. It's usually just a lot of weaving and, you know, trying just to, to, to get uh, the perfect shot off on the three-on-three because there's a lot of open ice. But Marshawn gets called for a penalty. So when they do that, you don't stay, skate three-on-two. They bring on another skater, and you skate four-on-three. Well, the Bruins managed to kill that off, thank God. And then David Pasternak, who hadn't scored, I think, in three straight games, which was the longest dry spell of the season for him, uh, scores on an assist from McAvoy and Pavel Zaka uh, with about a minute and 15 seconds left in the overtime, and the Bruins end up winning it by a final of 3-2. to two. So the Bruins now 85 points. They stay seven points clear of Carolina. Carolina wins uh, their game last night. Uh, they beat the Washington Capitals last night 3-2. to two. That's an interesting thing with the Capitals too. Alex Ovechkin who is uh, their leading scorer and the guy who is set to maybe break Wayne Gretzky's all-time mark in the NHL if he sticks around long enough, is going to be gone from the team, Uh, it was announced by the Capitals, for an indefinite period of time. Um, It said it's some kind of family matter. We don't really know what it is, but he has left uh, Washington and I don't know whether uh, you know whether it's something here or whether he's had to go back to Russia or whatever it is, but it is some kind of a family thing, and he is going to be away from the capital. So they lose to the Hurricanes last night by a final of 3-2. to two. So Carolina uh, trying to stay in the hunt for best record in the Eastern Conference. Uh, and last night's game with Dallas, Dallas still picks up a point because it's an overtime loss. Dallas, the number one team in the Western Conference, with 71 points, but they trail both the Bruins uh, and the Carolina Hurricanes as well as Tampa and Toronto and New Jersey and the Rangers when it comes to uh, points overall. The Eastern Conference just seems to be so much stronger uh, than the Western Conference. This is the second straight game that that uh, Dallas had to play an Eastern Conference opponent and lost them. Lost them both by the final of 3-2. to two. Uh, The Bruins will be at Nashville. On Thursday, it's almost a local game for me. Nashville, of course, only about four hours away. Uh, The Predators have been uh, in a bit of a slide lately. They are 25-20-6, and uh, they are in the mid-pack in the Western Conference. They'll be a playoff team if the season were to end today. So uh, the Bruins will be at Nashville on Thursday. Uh, Spring training opened for the Red Sox yesterday. Officially, um, and uh, of course, the, the uh, they have the press conferences yesterday, and the first question that Alex Cora gets in his press conference is about the cheating scandal. This is never going to go away. But of course, Evan Dreylich's book has just come out, and Alex, and it's not just about Alex Cora; it's about the whole thing. And, and but the section on Alex, uh, he does not come across very well at all. So the first question that he gets yesterday is about the cheating scandal. And, you know, he's in a difficult position because he'd like to just tell everybody, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about this. Go to hell. Right. But He said, look, I've been talking about the book, everything for three years. He says, I've been open about it. He said, it's, you know, but, you know, and the timing of this book coming out, obviously it's awkward. He says, but it is what it is. And he said, I told you guys when this whole thing happened, when I got rehired, I told you a few years ago that there were going to be books and there were going to be stories. He said, he said something uh, like, and maybe there's going to be something on Netflix, like a Harry and Meghan thing, you know. Uh, and he said, you know, I said, I understand we got to talk about it, you know. Uh, But I don't want to, you know, and he said what he the hardest part for him, and I can understand this, is that every time this comes up. He's got to sit down and talk to his family and his kids about it again, you know, and he said, that's not easy, you know, And, and anybody who has made a mistake in their lives, you know, sometimes these things just, you know, think about somebody, you know, that has gone through you know, whatever, you know, any mistake that they've made in their life. And, you know, somebody brings it up 10 years later and says, hey, remember when you did that? You know, and it's like, you know, you try to move on and sometimes people just aren't going to let you. He made a mistake. He acknowledged the mistake. And, yeah, it was a big mistake. Uh, But uh, it's just one of these things that, look, um, here's the thing. Alex Cora could coach the Red Sox. Manage the Red Sox for 20 more years. Win five more World Series championships as the manager of the Boston Red Sox. Right? He's not going in the Hall of Fame. It's been acknowledged that he was kind of, you know, the point man for that happening in Houston. There is no way they are going to let him in the Hall of Fame, no matter what else he does in his career. If you are going to keep people out that did steroids or were even suspected of doing steroids, even if there's no proof, if you are going to keep those people out because you considered the use of anabolic steroids cheating, then somebody who was accused and convicted, or not convicted, but accused and admitted that he was involved in the cheating scandal to steal signs uh, from other teams... You can't let them in the Hall of Fame. He could go down. He, could, you know, he could go down as the greatest manager and won the most World Series titles of any manager in the history of managers. He's not going in the Hall of Fame. Just like Pete Rose, who is the all-time hits leader in Major League Baseball, is not going in the Hall of Fame. By the way, we've and I've talked about this ad nauseum. And and since Major League Baseball has gotten into bed with gambling, as has the NFL and the NHL and the NBA and everybody else. To me, it's now hypocritical for Major League Baseball to say, "Pete Rose, you can't be in the Hall of Fame because you gambled on baseball." But by the way, we're t- going to take all these millions of dollars from DraftKings and uh, you know all these other gambling places. But but oh no, you can't go in the Hall of Fame because you gambled on baseball. It's hypocritical. But I digress. You know, look, it, it, but this is just something that Alex Cora is going to have to, to live with for the rest of his life. And obviously, the other guy on the hot seat yesterday was Heim Bloom. And Heim Bloom is going to be on the hot seat all season. I think the only question I have is not will Heim Bloom get fired? It's when Heim Bloom will get fired. Unless this Red Sox team and I don't think I'm being overly dramatic here. Unless this Red Sox team surprises everybody and makes the playoffs, Heim Bloom will not be the guy running making the baseball decisions for this team come September. If they're out of it in September, they'll be looking for a new president of baseball operations, which is another fancy title for general manager. It used to be there was just a GM. Now, now we got to have a GM and a president of baseball operations. But anyway, there's and, and look, there's no more saying, "Hey, uh, what's going on with this team is the fault of the previous regime." You know, we can't blame blame Dave Dombrowski or Ben Sherrington or anybody else for what's going on with this Red Sox team now. Of the core guys of this team, 27 of the players on the 40-man roster for the Boston Red Sox have been acquired by Heimblum. It's been his decisions that have brought those guys to this team. so this is all his team um, uh, Pete Abraham had a great great line in his story on the Red Sox uh, today um, he talked about you know the, the 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 people that are optimistic about this team you know they bring up the uh, to the, the 2013 team where, you know, a bunch of guys that nobody expected anything of uh, managed to win the World Series. And so they bring that up, that that anything's possible. We didn't expect that in 2013. But, as Pete Abraham points out, let's remember that 2013 team had David Ortiz, Dustin Pedroia, John Lester, and Jacoby Ellsbury, who were all at the top of their games at the time. Think about that. You know, this was before Dustin Pedroia got hurt. This was when John Lester was still a young man. This is when Jacoby Ellsbury was setting the world on fire and everybody thought he was going to be a Hall of Famer before the injuries caught up to him. And, of course, Big Poppy. So you want to compare this team to 2013. Think about that. So they had those players. Who does this team have? They have Raphael Devers. That's it. I mean, I guess as as Pete points out, you could bring up Chris Sale, but Chris Sale has been uh, a doorstop for the last three years, right? Um, and as he said, the the best line: there are more 2018 Dodgers on this team than 2018 Red Sox, the last team to when they won the World Series, right? They won 108 games that year. There are more players from that 2018. Dodger team than there are from the Red Sox of the same year. Kike Hernandez and Justin Turner. Think about that. So uh, this is on him. So if they are not in contention in September, he's looking for a job. And I want to be optimistic about this team. Matter of fact, I am optimistic about this team. I'll tell you why after the break. You're listening to The Wake-Up Call on Sports Country. 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake-Up Call. Hey, there's one more 2018 Dodger on that team I forgot about. Uh, Kenley Jansen, who's now, of course, the closer uh, for the Boston Red Sox. So let me tell you why I'm optimistic. And look, I understand there are a lot of things that need to go the Red Sox way for this to work. I get that. All right, um, But I'm optimistic. Look, there, there are general managers and scouts, etc., that from all different teams that have seen this kid that's come over from Japan, uh, Yoshida, who's going to play left field for the Red Sox this year. And everybody says that when it comes to uh, hitting the baseball, the contact, the ability to make contact and not strike out, uh, to get on base, this guy is another level. Now I get that it is Japanese pitching that he's been facing, but when you watch the guy swing and you watch the way the ball jumps off his bat, you have to be encouraged by that. Um, so that's number one. I'm 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 optimistic that this guy and the Red Sox have one of the largest scouting departments in Japan and the Far East than any other major league team. So I'm optimistic that they've had enough people look at this guy that they're confident that he can do it. One of the biggest things, when you look at last year and you look at the number of saves that the Red Sox bullpen blew last year, no matter who it was you threw out there, The number of games that the bullpen let get away last year, not even just saves, games that were tied or were one-run games, and you bring in somebody from the bullpen because God knows a starter can't go more than five innings these days. When you look at how bad that bullpen was last year and you look at the way that this team rebuilt its bullpen for this year, starting obviously with Kenley Jansen but bringing in other guys that have had success in the major leagues not just guys you're bringing up from your minors and hoping that they can do the job and you look at some of the you know some of those acquisitions and you say look this bullpen's already better you know, and they're still supposedly looking around to see if they can add somebody else. And frankly, I, I'll i feel a lot more se- uh, secure if they get Ryan Brazier out of that bullpen. I still don't understand that, but, you know, wh- why they released him or didn't release him instead of Matt Barnes. I think it was, I think it was a financial thing, personally, uh, because, you know, they were trying to say, well, what Barnes did last year was he got lucky. Well, you know, to me, it looked more likely that Matt Barnes was starting to refine. Uh, the 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 success he had before that, but be that as it may, you know, they've gone out and they've made some moves and brought in other guys. That bullpen is already they haven't thrown a pitch, and that bullpen is probably a hundred percent better than the bullpen they had last year. And then I look at the rotation. I look. I understand. Okay, I understand that we're putting a lot of hope on guys that have been injured in the last few years. We, we are, you know, everybody, we're oh, praying to God. Chris Sale's going to be able to give the Red Sox 30 starts this year. That might be optimistic. If he gives them 25 starts this year, great. Doesn't have the gas that he used to have. He, he says he can still hump it up when he needs to, but he's more comfortable throwing it lower velocity and then, you know, bringing the heat when he needs to. So we're counting on him being healthy. We're counting on James Paxton being healthy and being the pitcher that he was when he was with the New York Yankees prior to having that surgery. If he can return too close to that form, you got a good top of your rotation. Look, Corey Kluber ate a lot of innings for Tampa last year. Corey Kluber is a guy that has won a Cy Young. Corey Kluber is a guy that knows how to pitch. Corey Kluber, you know, uh, could easily be the number three starter on this team. And I know you still have Nick Pavetta. Uh, again, another innings eater, but, you know, you need that. And with this bullpen, you know, if Pavetta can go out, and we've seen that with Pavetta, that he, can, he can shut teams down. And he can strike out a lot of guys. I'm still not convinced that Garrett Whitlock uh, is the guy uh, for the rotation. I'd rather see him in the bullpen, but be that as it may. Uh, And they are very high on Brian Bale, and we saw towards the end of last year that he's got the stuff to be a major league starter. So I am optimistic that this rotation is already going to be better than what they had last year. I understand health plays into that. But it play, health plays into everything. Do you think the New York Yankees thought they were going to start the season without Nestor Cortez? I mean, it happens every year. Guys get hurt. And guaranteed, in spring training, somebody's going to get hurt. Just got to hope it's not the Red Sox. The Red Sox have been snakebit the last couple of years with injuries. And you got to figure at some point, right, the, the carousel's got to stop and guys are going to be healthy. So I'm optimistic that this pitching staff is going to be better than last year's. Are they going to miss Nativaldi? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. I wish they had re-signed him. I actually wish they had re-signed Garrett Whitlock. I'm not Garrett. I mean uh, Michael Walker, who signed with the San Diego Padres yesterday. It was great for the Red Sox last year, but they've got right now seven starters for five spots. I think Tanner Houck probably ends up in the bullpen but they're going to start at least in spring training with him as a starter and we'll see how that goes and again that's a nice thing to have we know Tanner Hawk can pitch we've seen it uh you know if if Paxton's not ready or Sales not ready whatever you know so I'm already optimistic about that bullpens already better so let's move on to the uh the field Raffy Devers is tied up he played better last year great you got him Am I concerned about shortstop a little bit with Xander gone? Yes, except that Kike Hernandez is going to be our shortstop, and Kike says that shortstop is his best position. Despite the fact he's only played, you know, 50, 60 games as starting at shortstop in his career. That supposedly is the position that he is best at. And he's a pretty good center fielder. So I'm optimistic that losing Xander isn't going to kill us. That Kike Hernandez can fill the hole. And then when Trevor Story comes back, and I'm still hoping he's going to be able to come back in July, then you've got your, a decision you can make. You could put Kike back in center field because they've got Adam Duval out there. Adam Duval has only played 68 games in center field in his career, and they're going to try to manage his load out there. So there's going to be some time. You're going to see Kike in center field at times. There's no question about that. And the Red Sox say they still want to add another middle infield part. I, I would not be shocked, by the way, um, you know, if the Red Sox end up with Jose Iglesias as another utility guy, a guy that can play second, can play short, and you kind of interchange him. And and then you can take uh, Christian Arroyo. You play him at second sometimes, at third sometimes when you got to give Devers a day off. I think there are enough pieces in place. And then Christian Cassis, who got off to a slow start but showed that he can get on base. He's got a great eye. He's not afraid to take a walk. He's not going to change his approach based on the situation and he can pick it at first base, I think he is going to have a huge year. I think he's going to be better than most people think. I think people looked at his batting average last year and, were, and the fact that he, he walked, and they didn't like that. They, they expected him to hit 40 home runs when he came up and played 20 games because he was mashing in the minors. That will come, but I think he's going to have a monster year. So I am optimistic. I think the Red Sox have some pieces in place that can make this team better. And they've got Adebaro Mondesi. I almost forgot about him. He's not going to be ready for the start of the season. Doesn't hit a lot, but this is a guy that could, is a above-average defender. If nothing else, he's a guy you bring in late in the game if you need defense in the middle infield. In and you can put Kike in center field if you're worried about Duval's range uh, late in the game. You put him, him in center. You bring Mondesi in to play shortstop. Doesn't matter if he can hit because it's late in the game. They've got some pieces in here. This team, if everything falls right, and and health obviously is a big factor, I think there's reasons to be optimistic about the 2023 Red Sox. Are they going to win the World Series? I highly doubt it. But I think this team can be a playoff team. And, it, and hey, it happened in 2013, you never know. But I think, and, and, and don't forget about you know the, having a, a leader like Justin Turner there, a guy that's going to be their main DH. Can play first, can play third. Uh, they've got pieces here. They're just not the sexy names that that Red Sox fans wanted, but I wouldn't sleep on this Red Sox team. I think fan has them like, uh, like an 81 win team. And everybody else has them around 78, 79. I think this team can win between 85 and 90 games. I really do. Maybe I'm nuts. Maybe I'm nuts. Maybe I'm looking at the world through rose colored glasses, but I think this team can be competitive. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. How about a little Warren Zevon on the way out this morning? A little lawyers, guns, and money. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.